Captain's log, stardate 2263.2. Today is our 966th day in deep space, a little under three years into our five-year mission. The more time we spend out here, the harder it is to tell where one day ends and the next one begins. It can be a challenge to feel grounded when even gravity is artificial. But, well, we do what we can to make it feel like home. As for me, things have started to feel a little episodic. The farther out we go, the more I find myself wondering what it is we're trying to accomplish. If the universe is truly endless, then are we not striving for something forever out of reach? We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. This is Cheap Seat Reviews. Dick measuring. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, good old Karen Starfleet. Like, it's nebula adjacent. Do they still have sandwiches there? I think I'm a bit of a philosophizer, too. <laughs> Hello, and thank you for listening to Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. Damn it, Jim, the greater good. Nice. Nice. I like that. Um, <laughs> this is episode 422. 422. And tonight we're talking about Star Trek Beyond. It is Beyond. They went to the Infinity and Beyond. So that's where we are now. Is is those places. So, I am Sean Allred, and joining me tonight is Andrew. He ripped his shirt again, Jimison. Yeah, that's a thing with uh, with Kirk, right? He has to rip shirts. I, it happens to me, but it usually happens with underwear, and it's because I've had them for 30 years. <laughs> and You're, you're you a know. typical dude that doesn't like to throw away his underwear. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Yeah. That's cool. All right. Well, and making their uh their bold return, right? They they boldly returned. How's that? Is Mark Sabotage Always Hold on. The song Sabotage Always Breaks the Things. And Joe, who likes the beats and shouting from the Digital Dissection podcast. I mean that's 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 one hundred percent true. That's yeah. the best part about my house is that it has beats and shouting. Nice, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that and your podcast itself too, of course, has the beats and shouting. That that it does. We have some some fresh, free to use beats that we start you off with and end you with every episode. Uh, that uh, Mark handpicked himself. Nice. Because that was his job this season. I did. I found some music online that sounded good, and we went with it. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome back guys we're, we're excited to have you back on yeah always happy to come back yeah. uh especially when you were talking about one of our favorite movies here oh nice nice so i mean yeah. i you know joe is sitting here in my camera i see two things i see superman over his left shoulder and a star trek uniform on his body so Mm-hmm. This this is uh this is exciting stuff. So obviously I invited the right podcast to come on and talk about Star Trek. 
Oh yeah, and this is this is one of two Star Trek uniforms that I have. I I made the other one by hand, but it's next gen. It would not fit into this conversation. Nice. <laughs> Nice. So you picked at least one half of the right podcast because Joe is all about the Trekkie life. Yeah. So, Mark, you want to just yeah. go home? I mean, you want to you want to hang up, or, or you're going to hang out with us? You know, you may not even notice if I if I leave. <laughs> That's not true. There's no way I could not uh, not notice those sultry uh, baritone tones coming out of your face there. So. I was going to say, do you have any smooth jazz that you have to play tonight that I can lead into? Because we can do that right now. Oh, I'm I'm sure you can. Andrew Andrew's good at the uh, at that too. So we're I think you and he. I mean, between the two of you, it's like the sexiest voices in podcasting right now. It's pretty. It's pretty great. Well, I don't I don't bring mine out on on the sheer fact that uh, I don't like to compare it. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a it's like a What's the thing? I don't know. Dick measuring. That's oh. what I was thinking. Oh, <laughs> ah, yes. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Ah, yes. The, the penis. Yes. But maybe we can lure it out with some sweet, sweet saxophone later. No, I like to. I like to throw in the the accent once in a while. But uh, yeah, you know, we I do just a have lot fun of, with it. We we do a lot of voices in our program, and sometimes it's just the right time. Right. I I love that this is like. Like almost Morgan Freeman, but you know, like like sexy Morgan Freeman. I don't know. I, I, I feel like yeah. I was gonna say I feel like it's a little pervy Morgan Freeman. Yeah, but... it's yeah. it's the Morgan yeah, like Freeman he's... that was in jail a little too long. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I learned the warmth. <laughs> oh, Bandy Dufresne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to go further into that, and I stopped myself. That's yeah. probably good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what she said. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, we're all starting it off right. So, this is 2016's Star Trek Beyond, starring Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Carl Urban, and a bunch of other really great movie stars. And that's one thing that I do want to talk about at some point throughout the night is how this movie was, you know, this series was cast compared to, you know, the original series and whatnot, and those uh-huh. those movies, because that is a you know significantly different kind of casting. And we can kind of compare and contrast that. And this is also the second of the trilogy that we've done for the podcast. We uh, we have done Into Darkness, but that was like 300 episodes ago. That oh, wow. We, I mean, we did it when it, that movie came out. Like, when it, as soon as it came out uh, to stream, mm-hmm. that's when we reviewed it. So, yeah. I think that may have even been before my time. It might have you know, been. That's, I, it's actually fitting because Mark and I did Star Trek 2009. On our podcast, it's true. So, by yeah. our podcast combined, this this fits. This is how we hit beyond is we <laughs> nice. come together to take care of it. Nice, I like it. Yeah, we we become one one Captain Planet of you know of uh, like suits in the Star Trek universe. All the colors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, subtitled "Truth and Consequences," Ooh. Uh, mm. episode twenty three. Oh yeah, that was so, that was well before my. That time. was a long time ago. Yeah, June twentieth, two thousand and fourteen. The was, year was eighteen ninety four. I was but a Weird. glimmer in Sean's eye at that yeah. point. Yes. Pepperidge Farm <laughs> remember that that episode. They do. They do remember that episode. Yeah, my dearest Martha. Tonight we record a podcast about no. All right. If yes. I if I had the. Uh, 
Oh, the the music from the 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 documentary, the thing. You know what I'm talking about? The um The that Ken Burns. Burns Ken Burns does all those documentaries oh. and he always has like that that violin. It is really sappy violin. My dear Martha. It is the uh, 2014. All right. I can't I can't obviously compete with the Mark voice either. But oh. yeah, 2014, uh, 2016, excuse me, uh, into or uh, beyond. I can't think of what I'm trying to say. And it's okay. We've just listed all of them. So it's yes, you we went have. Star into beyond. So yeah. it's all there. It is all beyond. So directed by Justin Lin, right? So this is not, yeah. you know, this is not a J.J. Abrams film. This is, you know, he, he, he stepped aside. He's an executive producer, but he, uh, he was busy making uh, Star Wars at this point. He was. Uh, he had just finished working on uh, not a, uh, not a new hope, but the uh, the Force Awakens. A new hope two. The new hope point yes. two, part two. Yeah, <laughs> a newer hope. Yeah. Yes. Well, he had also just completed making Into Darkness, which is just Wrath of Khan two. Wrath mm-hmm. uh, uh, of well, Khan. Well, it's the Wrath of Khan light. It is. I mean, it's Khan, and he has yeah. he has much wrath in his in his actions yeah. and things. Wrath of Khan, brought to you by LaCroix. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I, I was initially like skeptical when this episode, when this episode, when this movie first started getting um, any sort of trailers or previews, and we found out it was Justin Lin doing this, who got his, uh, I guess, directing fame from three Fast and the Furious titles with yeah. Tokyo Drift, Six, uh-huh. and then eventually Nine, which comes out after this movie. But the first thing you see, one of the first things you see in the trailer is Kirk just going ham on a motorcycle. Yeah. It's like, you know what? If someone says we got to get a team together, we see Kirk on that, I'm fine with it. Let's go <laughs> out. Think, guns are blazing. Phasers are blazing. They should have They should have drifted the Enterprise in this one. Just. I mean, they probably should have. They probably should have. Or, or at least the Franklin. Like, you know, just. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you had swapped out Sabotage with Tokyo Drift in that mm-hmm. close to ending scene. Yeah, I mean, same effect. Exactly. Does the same thing. You don't need the Enterprise when you got family. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, sorry, no, it's fine. Well, and it's funny because I do remember, you know. So I'm, I'm, you know, recalling back to when they announced that he was the director, and and a lot of Trek fans were really, you know, concerned. Like, well, wait a minute, we, we've just, we don't need another action movie, right? We've already had two action movies. In the the JJ movies, we need to get something less actiony. We want to get it whatever. And then when we found out that Simon Pegg was writing it, we're mm-hmm. like, well, mm-hmm. okay, let's see what happens then. And uh-huh. and you know, for so I guess I'll say it now. And we still have five word reviews and all this stuff. We're gonna do the normal episode, but mm-hmm. I okay when I first saw it in the theater. I was kind of annoyed, and there's a couple of big things that annoyed me uh, when I when I walked out of the theater. But I've seen this movie since then probably ten or fifteen times, and every time I watch it, I like it more each time. Uh, like even like when I watched it today for this episode, it's like, gosh, this movie is just so fun, and I just like it, and it just makes me happy. And the jokes work, and it just it works for me. So I'm I'm excited to talk about it because I know that this I know the Kelvin timeline in general has some 
uh, you know, animosity towards it. I was, you know, talking to a Twitter today. Somebody was like, I don't like any of them. They're terrible. I only like TNG stuff. I'm like, that's fine. And he's like, I didn't even know they made a third one. It's like, okay, well, that's fine. You know, just, you know, if you don't want to watch it, then don't watch it. But, you know. That was just me trolling, Sean. Well, that's fine, too. That that <laughs> that that does happen. So, of course, that's usually Sam that does that. But he's he's uh, he's busy. Uh, so let's go ahead and do our our five word review, uh, shall we? Uh, this week, let's start with Andrew. Well, I think Toby Keith said it best: a little less talk and a lot more action. Uh, to me, I know that we got a lot of action from JJ, but. This one, to me, was just an action film. It was just action and adventure. And it didn't have the... And again, I, and this is Joe and Mark, I, I don't... I'm not a Trekkie at all. And so I don't... Uh, I've seen all of the Star Trek films. Never seen the original series. Maybe one or two episodes. Um, years and years ago. And a few episodes of Next Gen. But... To me, this doesn't have the heart that the original Trek films had. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I'm sure we'll get to this later, but I, I always relate everything to Wrath of Khan because that's the one that sticks out to me the most in the original series or the original films. And I, I mean, I don't know we're comparing one... Uh, universe to another with this what is Kelvin universe or whatever they call this. Is that what it is? Yeah, the yes. Kelvin universe. The Kelvin timeline. Yeah. Timeline. Or timeline, you. yeah. Yeah, I, I know we're kind of comparing apples and oranges in a way. Um, not saying that any of the Kelvin timeline movies are terrible in any mean, by any means. They are pretty, very gorgeous as far as how they're made. And, and I made a comment at one of our last episodes that when the ship goes into warp, I always thought it looked a little funny in the original. And I love how this warp looks on screen. I don't know why. I just It's like a little hug of a bubble that <laughs> wraps mm. itself around yeah. the ship. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's just really pretty. And I knew JJ would do that when he took over the, the franchise to do this first, you know, the first reboot in 09. Um, and I can't complain about that at all. But there's just, to me, it loses some of its... I've always seen Star Trek as kind of a soap opera in space, it, it, sort of. Maybe not a soap opera, it's not a good analogy, but there's the story is always what's more important. I've always looked at Star Star Wars as the action is more important. Star Trek, the the words and the meaning behind what they're doing is is more of the main focus. Am I making sense or am I just right? You are. No, you're you're 100 percent right. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's kind of where I stand on it. It's it to me, it wasn't terrible, but I, I own this. I bought it uh, on Vudu many years ago, or maybe I bought the DVD and it just came with a digital one. But I own it, but I've never watched it. Like, I own the movie, and I watched it the first time I, I bought it, but I've never seen it since then. So there was a lot in this that I was going, oh, yeah, I remember that now. So All right. 
Okay. I forgot Idris Elba was in this movie. Yeah, apparently yeah. so did Sam. Uh, you know, because yeah. Sam was messaging us too, going, "Oh my gosh, that's Idris Elba." So yeah, he's <laughs> he's the bad guy. And it was funny because all of the like the promotional stuff that they were doing, he and Pine together, they were doing this big contest where you could um, enter a contest and uh, go to the bridge to the set and meet the you know some of the cast and. And then watch the movie like on the view screen there. Huh. Like I, and, but like the two of them were like bantering back and forth. It was it was really funny. Like, like mm-hmm. they were like ribbing each other. Like you know Chris Pine sitting in the chair, and Idris Elba would come over and be like, "Why do you have to sit in the chair?" You know, he's like like they're all this ban. It was it was really funny. So I don't know if, I don't know if those videos are online somewhere, but I'm sure they are. Oh, one more thing. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. The others as well, I felt like the ship is a character. Yeah. And I think I mentioned this before. And in this one, I felt like it was kind of an afterthought, you know, in some ways. Well, the majority uh, of the movie has nothing to do with the Enterprise. Exactly. It's And so, and I almost looked at it like, well, they're cheating on the Enterprise with this Franklin ship <laughs> they find. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, that's where I stand. Okay, that's fine. So... And that, that was all that was in fact that was something that that I hit on when I first saw this. So like in the trailers, it shows the Enterprise getting the you know the hell beat out of it. And so I always thought, oh okay, well that's that's how the movie ends is like the Enterprise goes down. No, the Enterprise dies in the first ten minutes of the movie. Uh-huh. And now Joe, you and I are we are cut of the same cloth, right? We're we're both the Trekkies of the podcast here. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Every time I I see it, every time I get emotional. When when Scotty says the nacelles they're gone, it's it's hard. Like it literally hurts. It's as if someone just shot a puppy or something like that. You know, like this. Is, you know, what I'm saying like like, like mm-hmm. to your point, Andrew. Like again, the Enterprise is a character, and it's one of my favorite characters. It would be as if someone, you know. In the first five minutes of Back to the Future Three, they destroy the DeLorean in a mm-hmm. in a very unceremonious way. You know, it, it would it would kind of hurt a little bit. And uh, yeah. I I can't I don't have a way to make you feel emotions, Mark. I don't know what your favorite movie is, but or your favorite <laughs> vehicle, like Andrew. But um, yeah, if you drop a perfectly good sandwich, that might get yeah. a rise out of me. Yeah, <laughs> like in a yeah. like in Birds of Prey when the she finally gets her egg sandwich and then, you know, gets it knocked out of her hands and she just loses her mind. Yeah. <laughs> or, or like John Belushi in Animal House where they drop all that liquor in front of him. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, oh, it's oh. just so sad. Mm. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not good. But you're not wrong, yeah. Andrew. It, it, it is the Enterprise. And I will say this. So two weeks ago when we did Star Trek V, you know, the Enterprise was a punchline. Yeah. You know, and then, and then of course, Thanks. last week, Kirk. the the Enterprise also isn't uh, you know it, it was destroyed because we watched yeah. you know you know the third one so we also so we've we've now watched in two movies back to back the Enterprise get destroyed. I was gonna say in this in this movie it gets turned into a spirit of Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I do want to ask Joe this. I don't, I don't know if mm-hmm. Mark or Andrew would notice, but did you know that they had to redesign the Enterprise for this movie? Yeah, I mean, it kind of because didn't it get subtle redesigns in both Into Darkness and this movie? Because 
Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead. Oh, no. Um, I know that's just something that, like, um, I know, like, I'll look at, like, especially when ships from, like, movie to movie because, like, especially, like, my my favorite enterprise is the E. So going from First Contact to Nemesis and then into, oh, you know, Nemesis was the, was the last yeah, one. Insurrection was, was um, the yeah, Insurrection was the win there. Insurrection, yeah. The, my least favorite of the next gen movies. Um, it got that got subtle changes each movie. So uh, it was the same here, where I know, like I think the the nacelles actually I think it got closer and slightly brought down a little bit more. And I think the cargo bay changed, didn't it? The the big thing that they changed, and this is just such nerd talk, but the big thing they changed mm-hmm. is like the neck of the ship. So in the 09 version, the back, like the slope of the neck actually goes all the way to the middle of the nacelles, right? It's a bigger, oh, yeah. it's a bigger mm-hmm. body that's supporting the saucer. And the reason why they had to change it is so that when they, you know, cut the throat of the Enterprise, yeah. mm-hmm. they needed a, a smaller piece of real estate for those ships to cut into. I know, whatever. <laughs> so in concept drawings the enterprise actually had apple bottom jeans and the boots with the fur <laughs> really accentuated that long neck yeah they did yep. it is it is a sexy and, neck yep and then one producer is like we we can't have this in the goodie room right away this is not big dick player time we we've got to pull this back make that neck a little less thick yeah yeah. yeah. New York town is looking at her. <laughs> <laughs> Bring nice. it back. That's what we do nice. on the podcast. All right. Well, Mark, since you're uh, you're on the microphone, why don't you go and tell us your five word review? Well, my five word review is feels like a classic episode because I grew up watching the original series with my dad, so I do have some exposure to many of the things that they referenced in this movie. Mm-hmm. And to me, I really bonded a lot with this movie the more that I watched it, but I did actually like it quite a bit at first, and I continued to like it. But as I've advanced in age, as you can tell by my hairline and just overall the state of my skin, I really do feel what Kirk is feeling in this movie. You know, you you see a man who's traveled, he's adventured, he achieved what he wanted to achieve, and now he's without purpose. You know, or like at least his purpose feels like it might be winding down a little for him. He's questioning a lot of stuff. He's not the Kirk that we've come to know and love. So I really bond a lot with that. I understand it. Sometimes you just feel tired and you can't explain why. And I feel like Kirk is at that point without kids somehow. (laughs) So, yeah, I definitely feel it. And it sets the tone for a very different kind of movie you know, from, from his standpoint. And so I would say it's fundamentally different from that standpoint, right? You guys talked about how the enterprise is not the focus of this movie. It's not its own character. That's because it's never supposed to be. It's about these characters that we've, we've known and loved for many decades. We're not quite saying goodbye to them, but it definitely feels like there's a bit of finality to it. Okay. I, I, I will push back on it doesn't I, I think the Enterprise is a character. I think it's supposed to be a character. It's supposed to hurt when it dies. It's supposed to hurt when it dies in episode th- or in, uh, the, the third movie. Like you're supposed to feel that energy when you get to see it for the first time in, or uh, see it again in four. Like 
I don't know. I, I I think it's a character. I mean, there are other other ships that are characters. The Millennium Falcon is a character, right? Like it's 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 the third member of that of the of the Han Chewie crew, and uh, and I think there are other other ships like that. You know the the Battlestar Galactica. The you know the 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 main ship is I forgot the name of it. Gosh, it's the Battlestar, right? It's just it's the Galactica. That's what it's called. Gosh dang it! Like that's a ship. Like that's a character, right? <laughs> So that was Did hard. They give you a clue. I mean, come yeah, on. it's like Battlestar <laughs> something Galactica ship. I don't know. Uh, Spaceball one. Spaceball one. Spaceball one. Serenity. Serenity. Yeah. Again, is a character <laughs> that they talk to. So I think you know. Mm-hmm. And again, I mentioned the DeLorean. The DeLorean is a character in the movie, and you kind of feel bad when, at the end of the movie, it's all you know. It gets hit by the train. Like you feel motion. So anyway, I just. That's well, like you know, it it kind of makes you feel like the adventure is over. A little bit, because that's you know that's what it feels like when you see those icons mm-hmm. of movies or characters, if you want to call them. That. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it feels like um, like you know, the Enterprise is like your your movie quality, your movie car equivalent. I mean, even going back to the two thousand nine movie where Scotty says he'd like to get his hands on her ample nacelles, if you can pardon the engineering pun. Yeah. Uh, it's just the idea of, you know, it's it's a machine that is more than a machine. Because in Star Trek, uh, it, the Enterprise always has been more than a machine. While it's not uh, a member of the crew necessarily, it, like I, I've brought it before, how uh, the ship is a metaphor for the Earth itself. And the crew are the people on the Earth. So, you know, we just, we love the ship for different reasons. And I think I can, I can always respect when people will see it one way or another. Uh, so that's how I always see it, is I love it because it looks cool. I see it as what's, it's what's transporting us through to the future. Um, it's, it's a character, but not a character necessarily in like the same way as the Falcon, because the Falcon is your your fun car you had as a teenager that was always breaking down. It was, it was a piece of crap, but you still loved it. And that's how that ship kind of connected with so many of us. Uh, whereas the enterprise is like the Corvette that we wish we had <laughs> growing up. And even when eventually a new awesome Corvette comes out, you still really love this one. Uh, even though it was a wedge on wheels. That's no way to talk about the Falcon. <laughs> hey when you spend three movies saying i thought i fixed that like yeah that's it's just the truth i'm, yeah. I'm more pointing out the fact that like han or uh Lando. harrison harrison ford oh, calls it you never heard of the millennium falcon and yeah. then you're like bro why'd you say it that way falcon. that one time <laughs> and then the rest of it's it's like falcon but suddenly millennium falcon is spelled with a u <laughs> yeah, you never heard of the falcon well, it's the same Sorry. thing. It's like they can't. No one can. Is it Han or Han? You know, like like no one's name is Leia or Leia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's all yeah. whatever. As Why is Lando and Han's clothes at the end? Yeah. These are questions we'll never know the answers to. No, nope. he doesn't have clothes, bro. Where the hell is Luke? Didn't just bring you know like a, a friggin' travel bag. He literally left with the clothes he was wearing. Fortunately, he just happened to fit the exact size of Han Solo. Yeah. No, I was thinking Lando is in Han's clothes, uh, Han's clothes at the end of Empire. Yeah. Well, maybe uh-huh. maybe they established a rule. You know? Well, there's everyone just gets Han's pants. In 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 fairness, you know, <laughs> Han did take the ship from Lando. It's it's quite possible that 
Han is actually wearing Lando's clothes this entire time because he can't afford to buy his own. <laughs> it's, Look at that. It's just like the closet's been the same on that ship the yeah. entire time. There's just, there's just a lot less uh, capes. Yeah. <laughs> Which, really, like, Han, what are you doing? Like, when, the ch- when the, you have the choice to wear a cape, wear a cape. Go for the cape. Fantastic. That's right. All right, Joe. Sorry, we, Star Wars tangent and the Star Trek... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I know we would get yelled at by uh, uh, some other uh, listeners, I'm sure. But I mean, in in fairness, these these three, the Kelvin movies, they do feel like Star Wars kind of movies. They they are a little bit more they action. Do. Now, I will say this: I do like to Andrew's point, right? Star Trek is typically tried to be about you know subjects about you know you know not just the words, it's more, but it's more cognitive. Yes. That's a good word yeah. for it. It's 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 you know it's more kind of self aware and self serious. I mean, start you know, the Wrath of Khan is you know it has a couple. There's two main themes in that movie, right? There's the theme of revenge, but there's also the theme of growing older and accepting that. And this movie has the theme of revenge and Kirk uh, accepting that he's growing older and dealing with it. So. Maybe they so they borrowed some same themes, but then the other theme that they also really push is is, is the is the Starfleet, you know, mentality of you know you can't break a bundle, you can't break a stick in a bundle, right? It's about mm-hmm. you know being diverse and having a, a large group of people to to have your back and and so just really pushing the ideals of the Federation and. And that's you know I think that's really cool to 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 do that to have that as a subject matter in the in the up in the movie right because it's you know it, it gives the movie some more depth than just hey here's a bad guy and he wants to kill people mm-hmm. and we're the good guys and we have to stop him like there's there's some more to more there's more to that because you know the bad guy in this in this case is a guy who like Khan felt that he had been not only betrayed by the Federation, but abandoned. He'd been forgotten. You know, he, you know, he was put on this, you know, because the Franklin was not, you know, even at its time was not a great ship. It was already a little bit outdated by the time, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Romulan Wars had ended. And so anyway, there's some more backstory there, but we'll, uh, we'll save that for something else. Joe, what's your five word review? Um, Mine is going to be Gasps, tune in next week. And it's for pretty much the same reason that Mark had in that um, a lot of the uh, the comparisons we've made so far uh, to other Star Trek movies is how it does feel dramatically different. And the Kelvin timeline does that in general. But this one especially does because it doesn't feel like a movie. It feels like it's an old two-part episode of the show that we've got to see run like marathon back-to-back style um so we have something done wonderfully in this movie in that we actually have lots of references to things in the star trek series and in the franchise but they're not like hitting you in the face like they did in the first two films of this movie Mm -hmm. um my favorite character of the old of the old series has always been mccoy so mm. when we look at him in this movie, one, Carl Urban has done an amazing job with the character. Oh, he kills All it. three movies. Yeah. But he definitely, they have him lay off like the, the bones metaphors constantly that he, had, he was known for, his character had been known for. And he's not like hitting you in the face with a metaphor every five minutes like he did in the first few. 
So we still get to see, and we get to see the relationship between like him and Spock evolve as uh, going from this, like, like, you know, this, this anger and hatred for each other, but at the same time respecting each other to generally enjoying each other was fun to see. Um, And again, like that whole, like opening sequence to this movie was just beautiful. It was honestly one of the best parts of the Kelvin timeline Mm -hmm. where you have Kirk going through parts of the ship talking about how life has been changing now that they're, they are in deep space this this is everything that they were hoping to get in the past two movies and now they're finally here and so what do they do with it because they've been out here for so long the days are starting to blur together the whole like even the scene where it says things have become episodic and you've got kirk looking over the same uniform many times over in his closet showing just as this other great way that everything is starting to just be like it was the day before and even that a line he ends with, if, if, you know, if space is truly infinite, then, you know, what are we actually hoping to accomplish here? Because they're, they're never going to see all of it. So, like, is it worth actually exploring? He's actually beginning to question if deep space was the thing for him. And then in the movie, we have this other element of, like, you know, him not wanting to celebrate his birthday because that's the same day his father died. And he compares his career in Starfleet to his father's where like his father joined because he felt he was making a difference and Starfleet was the way to go for humanity. And he just went in on a dare. And so maybe he's not who he thought he was anymore. So we have this extreme, like, you know, identity crisis that Kirk is going through and through the movie, we see him actually evolve through that. Plus like even like the meta stuff that's going on with the fact that the real world things are influencing the movie with Leonard Nimoy passing away mm-hmm. shortly before this, this finished. So we see that, um, you know, old Spock from the original universe has has died in this movie. Um, we get a nod to um, George Takei uh, and his real life relationship uh, through Sulu in this movie, even though mm-hmm. uh, Takei has gone on record saying like, I appreciate it, but you know, you didn't have to change the character for me. Uh, that's really, you know, uh, you didn't have to do that. So it's just has this great feeling of watching the TV show again, as opposed to watching the movies. So that's something that I greatly appreciated. And again, like I said, references to other things going on in the franchise. There are a lot of like enterprise references, um, from the enterprise series in here that I really appreciated, like the Zindi war, the fact that, um, Idris Elba's character was a part of Mako which is like the the last like resemblance of a military on the earth that we see come in in like I think it's like season three of Enterprise, uh, and it turns out that it shortly dies. So again, like when when you pointed out Sean that like when they put him on a ship and it's already an outdated crappy ship, it definitely is. I mean, Mako is still around in the time of Enterprise, and the NX01 is the first warp five ship. So you have to think when Mako finally goes under, Enterprise is already wrapped up as a series. We've gone a few like years ahead of that, and now we're sticking you on the first warp four ship. It's like uh, kind of like a, almost like a slap in the face. Thanks for your service. Here's something to keep you kind of going, just to get you know shut you up. Is it kind of what it feels like for 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 Elvis character? So it just has, in my mind, a lot going on. So even though it doesn't feel like a traditional Trek movie, um, and it does still have that more Star Wars like action. I still think it's like an enjoyable, like this is like me staying up late to watch Star Trek. 
um, again, like I did when I was younger. Okay. So, um, I well, first of all, I I absolutely agree with everything you said. You're you're spot on. Um, I do want to ask this question though. Again, we're getting into the nerd here, so Mark and Andrew <laughs> can zone out for a second. <laughs> I always thought it was strange that Scotty does say this is the first warp four uh, ship. Well, the Enterprise, which is the O one, meaning the first of this uh, design, mm-hmm. it, it was famously went warp factor five in the in the mm-hmm. series. Like it was a whole episode about them breaking, you know, going to five. Like, is it a goof that Simon Pegg write that wrong, or like I don't understand how to make this line? Like, is it is it a goof? It's a different. It's a different timeline. It's a different it's, timeline. It's not yeah. everything before oh nine mm-hmm. is the same. It's that's all still the same. Mm-hmm. It's when the events of the oh nine movie. That's when we have the branch off, and everything mm-hmm. changes. Well, I don't know. I don't know because, like, like I said, like the NX-01, that was the first warp five ship, and that thing, when it would push warp five, it'd also be like on the verge of breaking yeah. every time it would get there. So when you get like the Constitution class ships um, that um, our, our NCC-1701 is um, hitting warp five and not breaking, I think is kind of a big deal for it. It's it's kind of like how like we equate to Edison inventing the light bulb. He didn't invent the light bulb. But he made a light bulb that didn't burn out after a couple of weeks, and it could actually keep going for a long period of time, with like you know twenty other people working with him. But um, I think it's kind of the same deal here. Whereas um, it is a big deal that they go warp five, kind of like it's even like a same like it's a big deal that Voyager is going warp ten, even though like you we could do that with the Enterprise D, but Voyager also pushes like, hey, what happens when you go? You're like just a smidgen beyond warp 10 and things actually start to get a little crazy. Um, so I think it's kind of that big deal of that. It is a warp five ship. That's not like rattling itself to pieces as it hits warp five. Okay. I think you, you put more thought into it than they did. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's a busted line. All right. So my five review is I have two of them. Two hours of fun trek and a good way to end. Now, when they made this movie, they didn't know that this was going to be the last one. But as way things are looking... they were making another one. Well, they've been trying to make another one for about five years. There was was rumor that Quentin Tarantino was going to write one and direct one. And then that's gotten whatever... They've had two or three different uh, directors uh, associated with the movie. But at this point, I mean, even like the studio just like announced on Twitter, like, uh, what, like three months ago, Joe, or whatever. It was like, hey, Chris Pine and the gang are all back for the movie. And Chris Pine was like, what? We're doing doing a (laughs) movie? That's true. And then then pretty recently, I think someone asked Zachary Quinto, like, hey, so – How's the movie coming? And he's like, "Yeah, it's it's kind of dead. It's not. Yeah, like they've mm-hmm. they uh, Paramount released that that weekend because uh, it was supposed to be. So it, it's not going to happen. I think this is this is the end. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 
But I mean, and that's okay, right? You get a trilogy, and yeah. and that, I think that's all right. It, it would have been cooler, frankly. I would. I mean, I'm loving the shows, right? You know, Paramount is putting all this, you know, money into these these shows, and I think they're all really good for their own reasons. And if they wanted to make more movies, right? Because there's you know a lot of money to be made in movies. I would be okay with, you know, either a Strange New Worlds movie, or making a different crew altogether, and you know, let, let's go past the Enterprise E, and have a new crew entirely, and and let's meet some new characters and and do that. So I'm I'm all for it either way. Um, so I I teased it earlier, or maybe teased is the wrong word, but I did kind of mention how. This movie is cast obviously very different than the original cast because the original cast are TV. They were TV people, right? And most of them were pretty much unknowns. I mean, even William Shatner wasn't you know a huge name at the time. He had done some stuff, and Leonard Nimoy had done some things, but for the most part, these guys were pretty you know pretty much unknowns. And then, and then they made you know six movies together. But even then, they weren't movie stars. They were Star Trek actors. Mm-hmm. You know, Shatner would do some things, and Leonard Nimoy would go on to direct Three Men and a Baby and stuff like that. But, you know, for the most part, they were Star Trek people. So then they decided to make this movie, and everyone except Zachary Quinto are, are movie stars, mm-hmm. right? I mean... Chris Pine, at this point, Chris Pine was mostly known for, uh, well, Princess Bride 2. <laughs> yeah. Right? Princess uh-huh. Diaries. Princess Princess Diaries, thank you. No. Mm-hmm. Prin- You're welcome. Yeah, Princess Diaries 2, yeah. Yep. And he was in, I think, uh, Smoke and Aces? Yeah. I think um, yeah. he was one of the uh, the weird, like, redneck hillbilly people in that, which he did well. He, he played that part really fun. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, Carl Urban had already been, yeah. you know, he had already been Baramir, Baramir, whatever, in Lord of the Rings, and you know, mm-hmm. Simon Pegg had already had his you know, things going on, and mm-hmm. Zoe Zaldana, she, you know, she'd already done Pirates of the Caribbean and and Avatar? a hand and a, do what? She did Avatar before this. Uh, it was the same year, wasn't it? Wasn't Avatar also twenty oh uh, nine? Is that two thousand nine? Thought that was a little sooner. Or 2010? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, they, maybe it was after. They were right, kind of right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, they, you know, these are these are movie stars. You know, of course, Zachary mm-hmm. Quinto was known for Heroes. But yep. That's, I don't know. I just, I, I love the casting. I always thought that the mm-hmm. casting for this movie, these movies, were just fantastic. I just thought yeah. they were. Yeah, absolutely. John Cho was in the Harold and Kumar movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, before right. this. Yeah. Um, Anton Yelchin, I think, was an Alpha Dog, which is a solid, solid film. Um, but yeah, no, like you said, basically every every person headlining or getting billing in this movie has movie experience. Um, I'm sure Quinto probably did some small stuff before he was in Heroes, as far as like movie go movies go. But yeah, no, everyone before this, like film, was their thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I, I just I've always loved the cast. I, I love. I just I think it's fantastic. And one other thing I do want to mention. Okay, so all right, back back to the movie itself. The other thing that really hit on it. I'll be interested to see 
you know, Andrew and Mark, some, some of the things that you either liked or that you didn't like, you know, about the movie. Or, or, but the thing that, one of the big things that always annoyed me was that this, this Yorktown space station, this beautiful, you know, snow globe in space, right? And the, the music that we get to, we got to do a thing in this movie that we haven't done in a little while, right? So, Andrew, I don't know, you haven't seen it probably in forever, and Mark, I don't know the last time you watched the motion picture. But in the motion picture, we spent like five full minutes just admiring the ship, right? I mean, it was, it was porn, right? It was these beautiful shots of whatever, right? We haven't gotten a chance to do that in a while, right? Because in the 09 Trek, when we get to see the Enterprise for the first time, we get about 15 seconds of it before we're inside warping away. And then they yeah. don't really have that moment in it at all. In the closest moment we have with that in Into Darkness is when it's rising out of the ocean, right? Right. Which JJ does that shot twice in that movie and once in 09 where it's rising out of a cloud or rising out of something. Mm-hmm. He loves that shot. And then, but in this movie, it's pretty cool. It's a cool shot. It is a beautiful shot. You're not wrong. But in this movie, we got to, uh, we got to have. Like sixty seconds to a minute and a half of beautiful music and exploring this Yorktown, and I love it. I really do. But the thing that always annoyed me is that this thing is like perilously—I have a hard time saying that word—next to this nebula that they can't see on the other side of. It just feels really <laughs> strange to build mm-hmm. your expensive, you know, your expensive thing. Next to something you don't know what's over there, and mm-hmm. it just that that always seemed kind of strange to me. Is like you don't know what's going to come through there. Mm-hmm. Why would you build it here? You would want to build it where you kind of know what's around you. Now I know it was built for the intention of, you know, ex, you know, furthering their exploration, being able to you know go farther out. But I don't know. It just always seemed strange. Any any things that you guys hit on that just that didn't work for you for this movie? Well, I want to say one thing that, you know, the, this nebula, maybe it's just intergalactic real estate. Like, that's just yeah. where you that's where you set up shop. That's where you you, you purchase that area. You didn't know if you were going to develop it, you know. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, people want to rent more. They don't want to buy houses. And here we are, you know. This, this is what we have now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we have beaches in the modern day. In the future, it's nebulous. Yeah, why not? Like nebula you know? front property. I, I really want to say this. I don't I actually don't have a whole lot of gripes with this stuff. I mean, when you think about these like super colonies and stuff, that, that's what I think of when I think of sci-fi. It it just makes sense to me. You've seen that imagery so much in other properties. You know, to to me, that's not really that that big of a deal. I, I think humanity in general is known for pride issues and building these massive things that you know, frankly, could come, come, they come tumbling down. So it's, it's not so much a problem for me. I, I think the fact that they have that big, massive station out in the middle of nowhere, I think the only problem with it is that you haven't really talked about it much. Like it's, it's, there's none of these things are really led up to at all. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, we, we get it. You got really big ships and you've got all this technology, but why do we suddenly have this here? Like, I know we're exploring space. Right maybe we should have had a breadcrumb or two to get to that point. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's one of the things that kind of bothered me was the fact that we are 
exploring and even i think in the imdb synopsis it's like they're at the edge of space i mean they're they're, they've gone out further than ever before but yet the yorktown is pretty close i guess right around the corner so you know it is kind of a coincidence or a uh, not a coincidence a uh, what's the word i'm looking for convenience thank you that it's right there well, I, I always took yeah. it as it was near the edge of their known space, right? Like, we're going to build, if we're going to start launching ships farther out that direction, we need a base of operations to launch them from because we're now too far away from Earth and our other star bases to be able to effectively protect it. Um, so, therefore, or to, to, to resupply, it's a resupply issue like what we're having now in the world <laughs> you know supply chain issues so i always thought that that was why they built it my point i again and i love the station i don't care that they completely changed the stations right from those kind of cylinders that look like giant tops you know when the ships go inside them to this you know snow globe that looks yeah. a city mm-hmm. i don't i don't the garage care. door opens yeah i i'm okay with the the new <laughs> Powered design <by> chamberlain <laughs> <laughs> sorry i can no, just see like the husband and wife that are trading openers and <laughs> honey the wife backs into the garage door forgetting she didn't open it you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah, exactly. no i'm i'm okay with with the design or whatever my, my gripe was simply like and maybe to your point mark i don't think i don't know if you were making this point but i i took it from it is that well, they needed some real estate, and no one was willing to give them except this ugly piece of property that's by the nebula that no one wants yeah. to build next to. So yeah, uh, good old yeah, good old Karen Starfleet. Like it's nebula adjacent, yeah, but it's it's got a lot of potential, <laughs> and we're gonna throw in free photos with it with with you buying the house. Okay, so just think about it. Mm-hmm. I will say this though: when you first get to the Yorktown. They do name drop something right away. I don't know if you guys know about this or not, but they immediately name drop the NCC twenty eight ninety three, which was Jean Luc Picard's first ship, the Stargazer. The Stargazer, yeah, yep. yeah. Well, I, even I was, yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was I was say the Yorktown is a name drop itself because yes, when Roddenberry right. first like wrote the script, it was the Yorktown was the name of the ship. It was an Enterprise, yeah. but. When they did the pilot, they're like, Yorktown doesn't doesn't have a good enough ring to it. Like, no one's going to care about the Yorktown going through space. You got to change it. And Enterprise just made it was more catchy and it was more fitting. So yeah. you had two like Star Trek things just boom right there. They were and again, they're they're ones that are like I said before. They're not like hitting you in the face with these. They're things where if you if you know what to look for, you'll see you'll see them here. You know, also didn't hit us in the face. Dr. Carol Marcus, because she was omitted from the entire movie. <laughs> yep, she becomes the Bond girl of the franchise. She's like the well, hopping one, man out a little bit. <laughs> hey, we got too many uh, white blonde people in this movie. Who are we going to cut out of it? You know, let's... Uh, yeah, so I, I can. Uh, let's well, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So I was um, yeah, right. uh, cruising the, the trivia, and it was asked, Justin Lin was asked, hey, so... What happened to Carol Marcus? And he said, well, we actually wrote some dialogue basically saying, oh, she's left the Enterprise to go work on the Genesis Project. Like, we wrote the lines, but somehow it just didn't even get shot. Huh. (laughs) 
just they I, that that just cracks me up. Like they literally wrote the dialogue, but they just they didn't shoot it. So. But again, that it is kind of nice that they thought about it. That Simon Pegg is like, hey, well, we can't just toss characters away. They had a pretty big weight in the last movie. Yeah. And again, they just have a big weight in the, the greater universe here. So, but also just again, weird that they never made it to shooting. Yeah. There's now, and this movie doesn't, uh, it doesn't suffer, or this trilogy doesn't suffer the way that the sequel trilogy of Star Wars does. Back to the Star Wars, right? You know, being that like, they're they're not connected, you know. Like those movies all feel like very, three different films that have nothing to do with each other. They're trying to to you know what I'm saying. Whereas this one, you know, these like the torpedo that Scotty gets in, right? That was a leftover torpedo from you know into darkness, right? So mm-hmm. we're we're still seeing that uh, those kind of threads there, which I think is kind of fun, and. I lost my train of thought completely because I was thinking of another idea that or another thing I wanted to make sure that I said and I forgot, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, <laughs> and that's the one thing that I did like about this movie because uh, the the O nine and the, the first two, the first two stay home like they're they're near Earth almost the entire time, mm-hmm. and at least this movie like we're away from Earth, we're actually out in space doing those things and. I I really kind of I liked that part of of, of it. it. It made it it almost made the stakes seem more real, because they can't just drive back home and and have the ship fixed. So yeah, so they were they were legitimately you know trekking in this movie as yeah. they were pretty far away from home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So damn it, Joe. <laughs> I mean, my favorite Star Trek movie um, does have a character say that. So what are you all just sub like? Cosmonauts and some sort of Star Trek. Yeah, he. Ah, yeah. oh, he said the name. They, they made Oscar-winning actor James Cromwell say, "You're on some kind of Star Trek." Star I love Trek. it. Yep, love it. In in the theater oh, I, as a kid, I went, "Yay, yay!" I would have been like, it. I don't know, how old was I? Fourteen when that he movie did. came out. Twelve. <laughs> he did the thing. He did the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's. <laughs> It's it's the thing that when like if if we when we record that episode when we do that movie at some point Andrew I think it's just safe to say that I'm gonna rec- we're gonna review all thirteen movies I think that's fair to say <laughs> and okay and I uh, and I'll definitely record that clip because I have a rule that if you say the name of your movie in in the movie I'll, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna capture it. And of course, if you say the name of your franchise, I'm definitely going to capture it. So, because it's not like someone ever goes, "Oh man, we're about to enter into some Star Wars or something like that." You know, at least no one says that. Um, all right. Any other notes before I play some clips? Anything else we just have to talk about this movie? Because I, I, I almost, did want to. Yeah. No, go ahead, please. I, I interrupted you. I, I did want to say that I thought it was hilarious that the. One of the characters was literally just because we had said the written in name for the character so much that we just went with it. And the character of Jayla on, you know, on the uh, on the planet that they kind of pair up with in the script, Simon Pegg had always just written her as Jennifer Lawrence from uh, I think it was Winter's Bane or Winter's Bone. It was like a 2010 movie. Yeah. And so they kept saying that this character is just Jennifer Lawrence of Winter's Bone, and over time they said 
yeah, we can't keep calling her that. We have to shorten that. That's not a name. <laughs> so Jennifer Lawrence and Winter's Bone just became Jennifer Lawrence. Then it became J-Law. Then it became Jayla. <laughs> huh. so... I never knew that. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's that is pretty ridiculous. Cool. It's ridiculous, but also like on Best brand for pig. yeah, it's on brand for Simon Pig. <laughs> I love it. That's yes. great. Well, we, and we haven't talked about her yet. Oh my gosh! So the movie does. We do get a new character besides the villain. We get a new character in the in in Jayla, and she is played by Sophia Butella. Butella. Oh, yeah. Butella. Butella. Yeah. And N- she's Nutella. great. Yeah. Nutella. Yeah. She's it's a creamy, chocolatey hazelnut. Yeah, and she's fantastic. I mean, I you know the handful of things that I've seen her in, uh, mainly the Kingsman, with her mm-hmm. knife feet. Knife feet. <laughs> she's she's great, and I I really like her in this movie. I I was nice to to get to meet a new character and and you know have a have a new alien to to talk to and and I just I don't know I think she's fantastic in this, and I think she's acting really well too. Yeah. She's acting really well in broken English, which I have to think is even harder to try and figure out. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Who taught her that? How did you figure that out on that planet that you were creating on? She Sorry. learned from her house. She learned yeah, from her house. Right. The house taught yeah. her. She did. I, she did. That's right. And speaking of that, I actually kind of like the way that they did. I understand in Star Trek, like the car, or the TV show, you can't have the universal translators work the way that they do in the mo- this movie, right? It has mm-hmm. to be seamless because otherwise like, it, it would just be, you know, to watch seven seasons of, of hearing it twice, it would just drive you crazy. Oh, and plus yeah. you'd have to make up a language for every week, the alien of the week, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm okay with it just being instantaneous. I, I am. Yes. But mm-hmm. I really liked how how it worked in this one she, when, when they put it on the, the, the lady, whatever. And it was like on her collar. Mm-hmm. And so she would say the words, and then you would hear the English translation. I really liked that. I thought that was clever, uh, a clever uh-huh. way to do it. I just, it's those little things like that that this movie does, mm-hmm. I think. And Andrew, you mentioned earlier, like the warp bubble around it that's yeah. hugging it. Because warp drive has always been described in Trek and in actual science that if we were going to do it, the only way you can do it and not age yourself would have, you'd have to have a bubble protecting your craft. To, to fly through space, otherwise we're all going to age. You know, time would change, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh-huh. have that shot of it flying through space as if space were liquid, and it was, mm-hmm. you know, that bubble. I always, I, I loved that. I was, that was very cool. Yeah, it's, it just never occurred to a lot of people to think of space as the thing that was moving. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> it never occurred to me it was space the thing that's moving. Yeah. yeah. Huh. You're from the future? Yeah, well, he is. Brilliant. Do they still have sandwiches there? <laughs> so here's something we haven't really talked about, though, because we, we talked about how, you know, the Enterprise is typically its own character. But in, uh, you know, just mercil- mercilessly killing it right away in the beginning, I mean, I feel like we do get that kind of time spent with the, you know, with the old model here, the old house, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I feel like you, you do get that, that ample time, you know, I, I mean, this movie is pretty much constantly paying homage to things that it has already done in its own trilogy, as well as the original, you know, the original series. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think it was a bad idea to completely decimate that poor thing. 
and then replace it with the throwback. I think it's a I think it was a really great move. I, I actually think it's one of the one of my favorite things about the movie is the fact that they they do kind of earn an extra life by figuring out this this ship was here the whole time. Yeah. But I mean it, that's why for me it, it's it's swashbuckling and it's what the old series used to be god damn it yeah. so <laughs> no i i i love it i don't maybe i miss uh miss uh represented myself i don't hate the movie i don't hate this movie at all i don't dislike the fact that they did that um i i, I think my point was simply that i was sad that they did it like Just emotionally <laughs> you know wrecked that they that they killed the enterprise in such a way because it almost feels like it was really easy to destroy the enterprise you know like like mm-hmm. they never had a chance because even when i'm watching it for the you know umpteenth time that i've watched it as soon as they realize you know when, when spock says we are not equipped for this type of engagement that's literally when kirk should say warp us out of here like but instead, he's Kirk. He wants to stay and try to fight it out a little bit before he realizes that they're in trouble, and so then they don't get it. They don't. They don't. There's no way for them to to escape. But th- there's a moment where I, I, every time I watch it, I'm like, if you just get out, just warp out. You know, don't go back. Just go forward mm-hmm. and get out of there. Like you, you still have a shot to to survive the ship. But anyway, obviously, now here's another throwback to their own trilogy is in so in the first so every time we've seen hmm, I can't say every time in the original series right you know if you have to you know evacuate the ship you have to get on shuttlecraft mm-hmm. and in the original series they only had like three shuttlecraft mm-hmm. right it was like the Titanic they didn't have enough lifeboats ever and then in, in the 09 one the Kelvin had like you know 30 or so of the shuttlecraft, and that's how they escape. You have to get to the to the shuttlecraft to to escape. So when when he says get to your Kelvin escape pods, the idea was like they decided we need to build escape pods on the bridge and throughout the ship in case there's an emergency and we don't have time to run all the way down the length of the ship to get to mm-hmm. to the shuttle bay. I always I. I've seen this movie a whole bunch of times and it wasn't until like not this last showing, but the previous viewing where I noticed he said, get to your Kelvin pods. Uh, That was, I just, I thought that was cool. Again, really clever stuff. Just like you get that clever, but you can't put Carol Marcus in. (laughs) (laughs) The technical director for this film was also named James Kirk. So, I mean, they were getting some little details right in here, right? It's, I mean, by accident or may I, I don't think that's an accident at all I, I i think i think they're just like looking at qualified candidates and then suddenly they pull this resume like halfway out of the stack and they go whoa, whoa, whoa hold Ooh, on hey there yeah, who, who what was that name yeah james kirk hire this man yeah what, what's what's his experience doesn't matter um he worked on like a play once yeah oh my gosh that's that's his qualifications i think he did like a fourth grade play about Jan- Johnny Appleseed. Let's get him in here. <laughs> I'm actually trying to find this guy so I can see what he's done. Um, I, mean, I can't find him. You said he was under the what? He was the set designer? He was the uh, yeah, the effects director. Yeah. I'm still scrolling. Still scrolling. Uh, special effects by... It's all in alphabetical order for me. This is not very fun podcasting. <laughs> Visual effects. <laughs> All right, whatever. I, I trust you. I can't find it, but I trust you. 
find so find think, him and, and tell me what he's done. I'm curious. What, I think he actually was uh, in. He he was contributed to Wonder Woman 1984, oh, that's Men in Black International, The Predator, uh, Pacific Rim Uprising. Oh um, man, that's not this isn't that's not a good resume for him. Just Stranger Things, <laughs> Stranger <laughs> Things. Yeah, that help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's an actor named James Pretty Kirk. Cool. Uh, who mm-hmm. played Ronnie Drake in X Men Two, the Flame Pyro? Ah. So there's, there's you got you got a, you got an actor named James Kirk. Sorry, that wasn't for you. That was for the fly. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Anyway, anything else? Anything else we need to say before I move on? Oh, last thing I will say this: Michael Giacchino once again bringing it on the score. It's amazing. Yeah. The the, the music is so good for a night at the Yorktown or on the Yorktown. And it, it's just it's just so beautiful. This score is so good. He just kills it every time. Yep. And yeah. it was actually kind of nice that um, he didn't rely so much on the past body of work that he had done uh-huh. for the previous two movies. Except for, of course, when we get that tour of the Yorktown, he brings back Enterprising Young Men, which yeah. is the same score that when we first see the Enterprise in the 2009 movie. Uh, so he brings that back to kind of get the same feels going through the audience. But other than that, he, he kind of, he explores and tries new things with this film. So that was, that was appreciated that he didn't just try rehashing his own, his own work for the most part. Yeah. This might be a little controversial, but speaking okay. as a, as a musician, I think that his work with this franchise is the best part about the franchise. I don't that's think just, I don't think that's, that's controversial opinion. at all. I think that there's probably a lot of people that would agree, honestly. It's some of the best music in cinema that I've heard in a long time. You know, I feel like uh this kind of put him on I mean, I know he was already doing things before this, but I think this elevated his his career quite a bit. And now you see him all over the place. His his story, Giacchino's, and and we're gonna we might talk about it more next week when we do our music of Trek episode. But you say music of Shrek, music of Trek episode. <laughs> oh, you had no, no not gonna you do had it. Me as a believer. That second, yes. we <laughs> saw our faces. We got excited. We were believers, and I was. You had had me in the first half. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but like his story is really neat because. You know, when he started out, he he started out because he was so he was working at a at the studio in at a video game studio, and he was hired to be the music like consultant. And so his job was to hire the 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 guy to come in to write the music, and then just decided, I'm just gonna hire myself to write the music. You know, they don't they don't care. So his first uh, composer. Uh, credit is Gargoyles the video game in 95 where where he really kind of took off was like Medal of Honor in 99 yeah uh-huh. and he did a bunch of the Medal of Honor games and then Call of Duty in 2003 uh and then let's see I think his first film was something called hold on there's a bunch of other ones I mean his first hit was The Incredibles Oh yeah, yeah. You know yeah. that was that was his first time where he was really and kind of. 
you know, some people might say that kind of put him on the map. And it did because that was a kind of iconic uh, soundtrack or score rather. But I think this Star Trek just elevated him from there. And his, but his career started off because of the advice of Fred Durst, which is if you don't care, then we don't care. (laughs) And he just totally, he just went with it. Well, the crazy thing is, is I'm looking at his, 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 you know, whatever, his body of work. He had already done a Trek movie before he did the 09 Trek. He did something called Star Trek The Final Darkness in 2004. And it is like a direct T direct to TV or um I mean it's a it, it's one of those like fan made things oh, where okay. there's only one actor that has a a picture on IMDb but it's an hour and 25 minute uh hired scavengers discover the remains of a federation ship on a frozen world they report back to the superior soon after science officer Roberts is questioned by a secret branch of Starfleet to find out what she knows okay yeah I mean, whatever. I told you, it's yep. in my log. <laughs> but then he goes on to do uh, points for originality on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he he goes on to do Sky High, and then you know the Family Stone, and then Mission Impossible Three, Alias, uh, Lost, of course, and then you know Ratatouille. He wins an Oscar for Ratatouille. Oh, who doesn't love Ratatouille, though? I know. It's so good. And, you know, Up and Star Trek. I mean, just Speed Racer, <laughs> Cloverfield. Wow. So, like, just, Andrew, I, Andrew, I don't, I don't think it's, it's, it's really all that far off to say that the, the music of, of this trilogy, it might be the best part of the trilogy. I don't, I don't really think that's all that crazy to say, so. All right. Last thing I want to say, and then I'm going to play clips. I know I said that like a couple minutes ago, but Midwest goodbye in podcast form. Yes, <laughs> we do it the South too. It's it's a, it's a thing. <laughs> Is that I know there was a little bit of controversy making Sulu, making his character gay. Now they did show that he had a daughter, which was cool because we get to meet the daughter in adult form in Star Trek Generations. Mm-hmm. Which is neat, and she because she's the helmsman of the Enterprise B. B, yeah, which is, yes. which is really cool. But some people were pretty mad that they made Sulu gay, and even George Takei was like, "I never played Sulu as gay, but you know, it was kind of a a, a homage for him, right? The mm-hmm. actor mm-hmm. or the human, I should say. So, I you know, I don't. I don't think um, I don't think anyone should really be upset about that. Uh, I mean, mostly because the scene itself—it's like, yeah, he's gay, and he walks away with his husband, and his husband just lightly puts his hand on his back, and they they walk away with her daughter. It's and a pretty vanilla gay scene. If yeah, I was gonna know, say right there. <laughs> the the only thing you could do that's like even less subtle is like the old you know romance scene in a in a movie where they pan away and then they blow the candle out like that's the yeah like that's there's not much there to be offended by i don't i don't think people were offended by the act i think they were offended by the the idea that the like and like and again you know most most actual trek fans are like it doesn't matter like at all no no one cares 
you know, and everyone's you, a little gay. Like, yeah. don't don't come at me and saying that you're not a little gay. Like, just <laughs> just don't don't even start with that. Like, everyone's a little gay. I, I feel like there's, I, like, I, there's a there's a Ron White joke. There is coming, a Ron White joke here. in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, I I wasn't really a blue collar comedy guy, but um, I, I just don't think there's any reason to be upset about it. It yeah. there I there mean, isn't. But again, yeah. normal logical people aren't. It's right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Enough of that. So, all right. Time for some clips. And boy, again, Andrew knows this. If I'm doing a movie that I really like, I'm going to get the clips. So here we go. Uh, brace yourselves for some, some clips. For boys like we do. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Your Excellency, this gift They're is a crowd of untrustworthy thieves who want to see us murdered in our own beds. This beloved artifact is a symbol of trust and peace. They want to chop us into pieces and roast us over no, a fire. I don't think that's true. And eat us. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> now... I will say this. It is a funny scene. And then he gets beamed back and brings back two of them with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's kind of kidnapping, right? I mean, it's kind of funny later when we see Keenzer walking around with one as, like, a pet. And he's like, oh, you're still not wearing pants? But, like, <laughs> did you just kidnap the leader of this race of people that you were, of uh, these aliens that you were trying to, pro, you know, broker a peace deal with? Like, mm-hmm. You know, he just works for me now. He just yep. works for me now. Yeah, he's just there. Uh-huh. He's just part of the crew, part of the ship, just like in Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, he just build him right into a wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he has a job and wants to stay there, then that's fine. If he wants to be mm-hmm. part of Starfleet, that's fine. But it just, it just seems strange that it's just like, oh, he's little. I guess he's my pet now. Yeah, and it, they made him a red shirt, so you know. Yeah. He might not be there very long anyway. Yeah, there is that. I, I, I was going to say, it's like when you get your, you finally convince your parents to use a smartphone and they're just like, you know what? I'm here now. This does what I need to do. I think I'll stick around. <laughs> right. Uh, here's a little bit that we talked about earlier. I, I also do like this, you know, they're having McCoy and Kirk are at, you know, having a, you know, a little quiet moment to talk about his birthday and his dad and in this, this moment. And, and uh, he says, oh, I swiped this from Chekhov's footlocker. And they both go. I thought he was a vodka guy because you know he's, you know he's uh-huh. he's Russian. But I just yeah. I love the idea that the captain is is st- stealing from one of his crew, and you know, <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's just something funny about that. Okay, here's the here's the line though. He joined Starfleet because he he believed in it. I joined on a dare. You joined to see if you could live up to him. Uh, you spent all this time trying to be George Kirk. And now you're wondering just what it means to be Jim. Why you're out here. There you go. It's a good line. Because, I mean, and it's a great line from from the, uh, you know, Star Trek 09. When he says, your dad saved 800 lives. I dare you to do better. It's a great line. It's good stuff. All right, here's McCoy saying funny things. He's impressive. Aye, she's a beauty, isn't she? What a damn monstrosity. Couldn't we just rent some space on a planet? Showing geographical favoritism among inducted Federation worlds could cause diplomatic tension. Oh, you don't think that looks tense? Looks like a damn snow globe in space just waiting to break. Oh, that's the spirit bones. (laughs) 
Space is nothing but disease wrapped, death and disease wrapped in darkness. And silence. Hate to break it to you, but Starfleet does operate in space. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he's got some oh, great lines. Uh, one of my other favorite lines is like when he's, I sent you there to work, not to flirt <laughs> in the, the second one. <laughs> Oh my God! These what are these legendary hands? How can these legendary <laughs> hands help you? Bones. Yeah. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's uh, here's Spock's uh, swearing. Okay. All right, Spock. I just got one question. What's your favorite color? I fail to see the relevance. Yeah. You say it hurts less if it's a surprise. I may adopt a parlance with which you are familiar. I can confirm your theory to be horse shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Love it all. Like at this uh, McCoy's uh, bedside manner. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing. Different color. Boom. Hits it. Can you imagine this guy like, giving shots to children? <laughs> 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 All right, little Jimmy, what's your favorite color? Blue stab. I mean, I guess they had hyper sprays. I guess it wouldn't be too bad, but still. Uh, that's that's just funny stuff. I I just I do like a good sweary Spock, you know, because in like uh, this the fourth one he gets a little sweary, which is a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. and of course he says in the end of six he says, I believe if my my if, if I were human, I believe my response would be go to hell, if I were human. Uh, we mentioned this earlier, and I captured it because I didn't know if we were going to talk about it, but we did. This is the USS Franklin, sir. Can you believe it? The first Earth ship capable of warp four, witnessing in the Gagarin radiation belt in the early 2160s. I remember that from the... Yeah, except it wasn't, but anyway. <laughs> uh, also, if you're going to write the movie, you got to make sure you give yourself some good lines, too. I have an idea, sir, but I'm going to need your permission. Why would you need my permission? Because if I mess it up, I don't want it to be just my fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, then what did he do? Well, at least I won't die alone. I guess for the if you haven't watched the movie, you know that he just he got you know Spot gets beamed away as he says that. This line makes me laugh every time. Oh, good to see you in one piece, Doctor. Oh, am I? <laughs> I love that. I always love that line. It cracks me up. Just his delivery is so great because. Mm-hmm. Because like McCoy is always like he always he hates beaming anyway he he hates mm-hmm. it and he's always complaining about it and so just the fact that he you know he gets beamed on a you know on a, a you know transporter that wasn't designed for people and you know Damn. barely works mm-hmm. <laughs> so you get oh good to yeah. see you in one piece doctor oh am I. I feel like my innards have been to a barn dance. Aye, well, these old transporters were only ever used for cargo, but a few modifications seem to do the trick. I thought it was best to beam you one at a time, though, you know, in case you got spliced. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Absolutely love it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they make a very rapidly make the jump from one at a time to just groups of 20 at a time. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I thought that too. It's like, uh, I guess he was able to make some more modifications or, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I guess they had the pattern enhancer thingies. The... I mean, they're 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 just being they're just playing it safe, and clearly his insides were just fine because McCoy is ever only like two steps away from just being an old fashioned Southern doctor. But in my day, we would do this instead. <laughs> so, you know, he just he likes doing things his way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's mm-hmm. just <laughs> with his special ingredient in his beans, right, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now I captured this one just so I can set up the punchline for Andrew. So once again, Andrew, uh, your your wife sent me some audio. Now for some reason, it, it, you know, she uses a different name. She doesn't call you Andrew. Maybe you know, in your early days of the relationship, she didn't know who you were, but. This is what happened after the first time you tried to kiss her. Okay. Let's never do that again. I agree, Jesse. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you, you can't have a Star Trek movie without a damn it, Jim. You know, next time you have a piece of pipe stuck in your transverse, call a plumber. Just make sure you find a way to break those things. If it gets heavy, I'll beam you straight back. Energize. You're going to do great. Damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. All right. Uh, what kind of music do we have? Major choice, Lassie? I have the beat and shouting. I got the beat and shouting. Now, I didn't capture the part where he says, is this classical music? Why, yes, it is. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't capture that, but I thought it was... Yeah, it's, it's a fun... Yeah, fun, fun little thing there. That, I mean, the song is is old even for us right now, but mm-hmm. call it classical was 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 funny. Yeah, yeah, it did make me think. Well, if they heard Beethoven, would they call that like yeah, ancient? That, what would they call yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, ancient classics. Or mm-hmm. it belongs in a museum, whatever it is. Yes, it does. <laughs> it belongs. All right. Speaking of a museum, uh, this is our game, and it is now sponsored by. Help Open Pike Night celebrate hashtag where November has gone before. This year, from November 1st through 30th, go to openpike.com slash join us and leave us a voicemail or message to be entered to win a Hallmark Keepsake Strange New Worlds Enterprise light-up ornament. One entry per person. And remember, openpike.com is the easiest way for you to get your voice into the ears of the people who make Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Make any bridge just a little bit brighter with Open Pike Night. And your brand new tiny flagship. And now for some more bad news. Ready? This is the game called Hey, Did You Notice? This is a game where normally Andrew comes up with some really hard questions, but this week Sean did the questions and they're not actually hard at all because sometimes it's actually fun when people win. (laughs) (laughs) This is a game where we're going to go back and forth between... um, we could actually have it so that it's Mark and Andrew on a team versus Joe. I think that's actually probably more fair. Oh. Uh, and because, uh, and I don't know, I think I've already sent you guys stickers. If I haven't, I'll send you some stickers. But anyway, this is a game called Hey, Did You Notice? And so I'm going to ask you some questions. And whoever goes first will uh, answer it. Who And if they don't get it right, then the other team will get a chance to steal. Uh, I have five questions, or maybe six. Best of five. Are we gonna do Joe versus Andrew and and uh, Mark, or we want to? How do you want to do this? Seriously, I mean that that is pinning a lot on me. <laughs> well, I know I wore the shirt. I, I'm I'm yeah. fine to to 
to go they, alone. They can be on. I, yeah, I'm good fine. with whatever. Mm-hmm. Fine, show versus show. You know, that's fine. All right. let's, let's do that. Joe and I are used to working together, so why not? Let's do it. All right, this question is for you too. Then, now again, some of these are kind of easy because I'm not Andrew, <laughs> but let's just see how things go. And in fact, this one, I already played the answer. So here we go. On what day are they in their mission? 966. 966. That is right. Ding. Uh, I still don't yeah. have a sounder for that, but that's okay. All right. This one goes to Andrew. What is the serial number for the Franklin? Oh, gosh. I knew you were going to ask that, too. Uh, because I was paying attention to the last number that was shown on the view screen before it cuts off, like you think the ship's going to crash as it's plummeting down. Because uh, it says distance to impact, and there's a number. Yeah. That was the number I was focused on. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, because when, when she's, he says, is this a ship, or is this your ship? And she says, no, it's your ship, and she shows the placard, and it says yeah. the Franklin, and then it says... Yeah, I saw it, but I don't remember what it is. Okay. I'm going to just take a stab at it yeah, and say uh, 1568. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, Joe. This one actually makes me really mad that I, I have forgotten it because I remember I looked it up before the movie came out because I remember seeing the Franklin in the previews. I'm like, that looks like an NX class starship. Uh, it looks like a little off, but it looks pretty close to it. So I looked it up, and I remember seeing it and looking at it, and I'm like, okay, so it's not an NX class. Um, and I also know it's not NCC either. So that is what's bugging me, is so that I, I am not remembering are, are we still on a team, or are we like... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. We, you can still answer, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I thought I thought it was uh, 326. It is. So 326 but, is the number. What's the first two letters? No, it's it's NX. I thought it's an NX. Is it NX? It is. Yes. It is an NX. It is an NX. Okay, so I wasn't... I got okay. There we go. Team. I there would you doubt go. myself. Ding. You got it. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. NX so so go. NX doesn't doesn't have anything to do with the class. It has uh, it's the type of designation. So NX means uh, prototype. Oh yeah. So the Enterprise uh-huh. being an NX01 means that it is a prototype. Um, when when they came out with the NCC, they didn't have a they didn't have anything for it, and mm-hmm. so they've kind of retconned it to say. It's like northern construction something, or like like it it doesn't really have a real meaning. So they just yeah. they just kind of made one, and I think like the seventeen oh one for the Enterprise was like the home address of Gene Roddenberry as a kid or something. So yeah. for what it's worth, the uh, okay, how about a bonus question for anyone? Anyone who answers it right, what does three two six? What is the relevance of that? What meaning does it have? Was that the was it like an original air date for the series? No. Dang it. Okay. Any guess, Andrew or Mark? No idea. If my face isn't giving it away. It's Leonard <laughs> Nimoy's birthday. Uh, March okay. twenty sixth. All right. Gotcha. This goes back to uh Mark and Joe, right? Yeah. What significance does the word beyond have to the Trek universe? Um, 
is it just because it's it's in like the actual title like um going where no one's gone before boldly going no no that's not it Mm -mm. no i'm not sure i have no idea okay andrew well, as I have said, I don't know much about Star Trek, so I I don't know. Beyond is the first word used in the in the theme song that actually has lyrics. So oh. Gene Roddenberry wrote lyrics to the original theme song, which goes, "Beyond the rim of starlight, my love is wandering in in star flight." I know he'll find in star-clustered reaches, love, strange love, a star woman teaches. There's more, but that it's... that sounds very Japanese, like anime opening <laughs> of some does. sort. <laughs> All right, uh, this is to Andrew, right? Yeah. Okay. The picture shown when uh, Spock is looking at the you know the picture of his you know when he's looking yeah. at this picture of uh, Spock Prime. Yeah, in the original crew, that was taken a picture that t- was taken from a movie of the original movie. What original yes. movie was it taken from? Final Frontier. Yes, that is right. That, wow. right, that was a that was a total guess. Uh, Numero cinco. Yeah, cinco. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Good job. Okay, real easy one, but I just wanted to throw it in there just in case. What is the name of the song that they use to destroy the ships? Oh, well, that's Sabotage. Yeah. Yep, that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I wanted to have a nice, uh, easy one. Here's a not-so-easy one for Andrew, but again, that's because he's always mean to me. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Including the drink she's holding, how many drinks does Jayla have at the end of the party? 13. Oh. <laughs> uh, Mark or Joe? Uh, I I thought it was ten, but because she's pounding him, isn't she? Like she, she doesn't she doesn't feel anything from him. Yeah, she's trying to take the edge off, but the edge is still there. <laughs> See, and I'm wondering if it's more than thirteen. <laughs> there was a lot of glasses on that table. I didn't get. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the thing. I don't know if I'm ever gonna get how many there there. Let's just say seventeen. My re- my reaction was because Andrew was so close. It's fourteen. Oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So wow. all right. Uh, I did have a, a bonus question, but we've already we've literally said the answer already in the show, but and we don't need it. But that was what military service did Captain Edison uh, belong to? And Joe already that was Mako the Makos. Mm-hmm. So, in, in case you're curious, the last number is shown on the screen before they impact the or before impact. Uh, was nine hundred and excuse me, nineteen hundred and seventy-one. Nice. Just so you know, nineteen. That's pretty See, close. Yeah, that's, that's so pretty close cool. to the ground. All right, great job. Time for this. Excuse me while I whip this out. We're gonna do top three, and this week we just simply said name your top three Star Trek films. We got thirteen films to choose from. So, which are your top three? And Mark will go first. So I'm not going to say Rathacon just because I think everybody's going to say that for another number one. So I'm I'm going to go uh, first contact just because for me that was really like the majority of my early experience with Star Trek. Um, 
Yeah, and I know people are going to be like, oh, he's not a fan of Star Trek, is he? It's like, well, you might be partially right on that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that, uh, I'm going to say that Beyond is actually my number two. All right. And Generations is my number three, just because of how different it was. And I know not, not a lot of people love Generations, but I, I personally did. I thought that was a great one. So there you have it. It's all right. I have a fondness for it too, but that's because it's the first film my dad ever took me to see in the theater. So I, oh. I have a nostalgia. It kind of bumps it up. Uh, yeah, Joe. I agree. Um, Beyond is my three, um, as far as this goes. Uh, because, again, for everything we've pointed out, I think it's the funnest of the, the Abrams movies. Um, so I just really enjoyed it. So that's why it's my number three. Um, Wrath of Khan also did not make my list. Um, my number two is from the original series movies, and that's actually Undiscovered Country. Um, and I remember because that was actually the first of the original series movies I ever saw. So it was kind of a the first experience for me. Uh, it had a good blend of action and story, so I really liked that one. Um, even though like, I, I would not ever argue against someone who says Wrath of Khan's the better film. It's definitely the better film. But I just like this one more. It's my favorite for those. And uh, like Mark, First Contact is my favorite movie. To me, it was, it was everything it needed. It was this perfect Picard movie, this uh, white whale idea of him chasing the Borg. Uh, even like, again, like how the Enterprise is very much a character in that movie and how when they're getting ready to destroy it and he says, he's saying, he's looking at the bridge and saying, goodbye, we hardly knew you. Uh, and then finally letting go he's like okay well there are you know still 23 letters left in the alphabet so um will be more enterprises but just everything that movie was was amazing to me uh absolutely loved it so that's my number one all right my three uh again i also broke my our rule for the show and said that this is my my favorite uh my third favorite excuse me and i love first contact first contact would probably be four for me uh, my number two is Wrath of Khan, and my number one is Undiscovered Country. Ah, it, it is nice. my favorite. And again, like your point of, it's the uh, it's not the better it, Undiscovered Country isn't the best film, but it's it's my favorite. In fact, I just watched it not five days ago with my son for the first time, and and he awesome. he enjoyed it. Though I was really annoyed with HBO. By the way, really annoyed with HBO. They cut out two. They're 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 tiny scenes, but they cut them out. There's the scene where, um, when after they've talked about the the chancellor and the the president have had their kind of video talk, right? And then, uh, or not the chancellor. I'm sorry. The president of the federation is talking with the the Klingon ambassador, and so he leaves, and then in walks the Romulan ambassador and Colonel West and the other brass from Starfleet, and they show this plan on a on a piece of paper flip chart, how they're going to go rescue the guys, right? That scene's cut. Then later at the end, when they have the assassination attempt on the president and Scotty shoots the, you know, the guy out of the window and he falls, there is no revelation that that's a human in a costume. It's just, you think it's a Klingon, it's dead on the ground. And so in that moment, I'm like, that's not right. You changed it. Like you, the reason why that plot matters is because it shows that the Federation and the Klingons were conspiring together, and it and that's why they did that. So, 
I, I don't understand. Like, why take? Why cut that HBO? Why did you do that? Because it's not cut in the on the Blu-ray. It's not in, in a director's cut. It's very weird. Anyway, I I was obviously very annoyed with it. So I'll be all right. <laughs> all right. So. Twitter was extremely active on this, which I find uh, fascinating. Ra- uh, across the Stars podcast said, Wrath of Khan, first contact undiscovered. Uh, Audi Norman, who we're going to have on the show in a few uh, months or so, says, uh, first contact, Star Trek 09 and Into Darkness. And so he, he also kind of started watching through TNG. Uh, a contemporary. Uh, Jesse from Open Pike says, Wrath of Khan, first contact in The Voyage Home. Uh, let's see. The FSF Popcast says Wrath of Khan, Star Trek 09, and The Search for Spock. Did not expect to see that Ooh. movie in a top three. I mean, it's only Kramer's, but I'm happy he's got it there, too. Let's see. <laughs> Kelly sends... Oh, I can't pronounce that. I'm, her, her, her Twitter tag is Antipodal. I can, I can say that. Wrath of Khan, First Contact, and Into Darkness, which is, uh, again, interesting. Hmm. Now... I will give a little behind the scenes. We were supposed to have, we were supposed to have, um, Tucky Williams on, on this episode, not this episode, but yeah, this actually was supposed to be this week. We were supposed to have Tucky Williams, uh, uh, actress who I interviewed and we just couldn't work the schedules out and whatever. But her absolute favorite film is Into Darkness. But we had already reviewed it, and I told her that we had already reviewed it, which really bummed her out. So I think we were going to end up doing, I think, this movie. And then we just couldn't get the schedules to work out. So it was really true that you guys also picked it. But the, Into Darkness is her favorite, which I find really interesting because there are so many people I know that hate that movie. So anyway. Yeah, Star Trek 09, number three. Um uh, Generations is, is, is a special place in my heart, and uh, Wrath of Khan, number one. Nice. Cool. Because it is the best. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, time for my clip soundboard. Wait, what's supposed to happen? This is where we're going to give this movie a score from zero to ten, and we will start this week with Joe. Um, I'm giving this one an eight, eight 8.5. Uh, it is... Not perfect. There are definitely things it could improve on, but also I don't think this movie ever shies away from exactly what it's meant to be. And I think this is a good blend of some of that old Trek philosophizing, because uh, I go zoom into there. Uh, but yeah, it does a little bit of philosophy there. It also has plenty of action for more of what this brand of Star Trek is. And it doesn't necessarily do either perfectly, but it does both of them well. Um, Every character in here is well fleshed out, well acted. Um, There's attention to detail, like we've pointed out several times in here, of like just everything that's in the universe and little homages that it pays for like the franchise. But at the same time, like, you know, nothing's perfect. So... That's basically why I just kind of knock it down a little bit. Great score, great everything. Sure, could have done a few things better, but, you know, not much. Okay. Mark? I think I'm a bit of a philosophizer, too. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think that uh, I would give this one a seven and a half. 
And the reason why is because I know that for me, this is a film that I really appreciate. I really enjoy. And I think is one of the, probably the best out of the Kelvin trilogy, but I know that not everybody thinks the way that I do. So even though I enjoy it, I'm not going to give it a perfect rating or anywhere close to it because I can accept that it isn't a perfect film. Kind of like what Joe said. Um, I do think that there are some things that kind of make you nod your head or, or tilt your head as you listen to it and you're like, or you watch it. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I still like, it's kind of weird for me to say that, isn't it? Like, it's not a perfect film, but I really love it. No, <laughs> but, there's nothing wrong with that. I love, but, but, I love Waterworld. Yeah, she's and no that's a bad movie. Seven. I mean, <laughs> no, no, she's not a five out of seven. So, yeah, I, I do think that at points the, the, the movie is um, paced a little odd, but for, for me, the majority of the points are going towards the fact that it's a, uh, a really solid homage to the original films. And if you don't feel something when Spock Prime, you know, is you're opening up the box and you're seeing all the trinkets and the stuff left behind. And you see that photo from Star Trek five. I mean, the first time I saw that, I, it's like, you knew something was coming and you see it and it still absolutely guts you, you know, I, I'm, and I already felt very wistful and, you know, the, the oldest that I've ever felt watching that movie, seeing Kirk kind of act like, you know, Batman via the dark Knight rises. You know, like he, he's just beat up and he's only 30 years old, but the guy's like, you just think he's a geriatric up, upstairs, you know, like he's feeling it. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot going on with this movie that works really well. There's some stuff that doesn't, but I think the tone and just the overall vibes and like the themes that you feel from it, I, I think it's better than, than any of the other Kelvin films for that reason. Yeah, I got you. All right, Andrew. Well, she's a seven, uh, but she's a little rowdy. Um, no, like on IMDb, it's it's a seven out of ten, and I'm gonna stick right with it. It's not a bad film. It's really beautiful. The score is awesome. Great cast. Um, for me, I don't know that I know enough about Star Trek to uh, to really compare it as I was attempting to do earlier um but but i still in my mind i feel like it's just not quite the storytelling device as, as the original series and, and and all that so it's a little too action for me to call it classic star trek but it's still a good film i i like it and we just need more enterprise <laughs> Okay, uh, I'm gonna give it. Uh, so I again, I I do like this movie a lot. It's my favorite of the trill of the of the of the Kelvin trilogy. I think it's a solid film. I think it holds up. It it did have some issues. I mean, I, a few of them that I've mentioned. Uh, some of the other issues were simply the but the budget got too big, and there's still some bad CGI work. I mean, we didn't even talk about the drones when they're walking around. They look kind of bad, and when the uh, bike. With uh, Kirk and Jayla are are brought are beamed in, that's mm. some bad CGI work too. Yeah. I mean, this is a hundred eighty five million dollar movie and with some bad CGI. Part of that was because it was rushed. They really wanted this to have a summer air date because they wanted it to coincide with the fiftieth anniversary of the of the of Star Trek the, the, the show. They were right. really pushing that, and 
And I think some of the movie kind of suffered as a result of that. And so they had to spend more money than they needed to, which is why Chris Pine came out and said recently, if they make another one, just make it a good story. Don't make it a huge spectacle, which I think mm-hmm. is what uh, a lot of people felt that this one was trying to be was a spectacle. Um, so it, again, it does have its it does have some bad stuff to it, but it, I think it's still a really fantastic movie. So I'm going to give it a, a just an well, I can't give it an eight. I'm going to give it an eight point one. There, that makes the math look a little bit better. No, I can't do that either. <laughs> Join uh, me. Come to the point five. Okay. Uh. Well, no, eight eight and a half. Okay. Yeah, eight and a half. That works. It's an eighty-five percent. Well, but I mean, it gives it gives the the, the overall grading a seven point eight seven five, which I think is good. So, there it's you acceptable. have it. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's it. Seven point eight seven five. That's a good score, gentlemen. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on. Please tell my listeners yeah. where they can find more of you. Just don't give your hint, your Twitter handle because it won't exist anymore. <laughs> well, you you can find us on basically your uh, your social media um, poison of choice. We're on basically all of them. Uh, apparently, Twitter will expire eventually here soon. But you know, we're there. You can find us um, at Digital Dissection with all of those. We even check our email, believe it or not, and that's at Digital Dissection uh, Digital Section Podcast at Gmail And I did get that right this time because I have accidentally sent you to the wrong place before. And I'm not doing that again. So you can find us, uh, like, like we said, uh, we're on Twitch, I think, very sparsely these days. But yeah, um, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook, we're, we're a bit everywhere. You can find us uh, at Digital Dissection. Yeah, we, we've been doing a lot of these shorts and like, you know, little little things on TikTok and Instagram that, that kind of uh, augment the shows that we put out. So if you ever want some some did you know content we're doing that a lot lately yep and physically we are in wisconsin so if you're hoping to bump into yeah. us on the street you have to be roughly here <laughs> that's fair <laughs> and, and in that case it's did you know did you know content yeah mm-hmm. well, don't, we, don't you know content yeah and and a, a little ope in case uh we we were wasting your time because you already knew it there <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, it's painfully Midwest. Oh my God. I love wow. it. I absolutely love it. All right. Thank you guys so much. This has been an absolute pleasure and a treat to have you guys back on. And I will say uh, next week, again, we're very excited to announce that we're going to have Eric from Cinematic Sound Radio coming back on the mm-hmm. show to do a full episode of The Music of Trek. I'm very excited for that. It's going to be an absolute blast. So until then... This is Sean saying on behalf of Andrew, Joseph, Mark, and Sam, this is Sean saying thank you all so much for listening, and I will see you next week for the music of Star Trek. This is Cheap Seat Reviews.